You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. In a moment, we're going to get to God's Word, but I just want to take a couple of moments uh, before we do that to sort of round back on what is legacy. Maybe you're here for the very first time or you've been away the last couple of Sundays. We've had an incredible three Sundays where we've looked at legacy. And for us here at Life, legacy is something we believe God has asked us to do to create a platform for what is to come. And over the last three Sundays, we've heard incredible messages from Pastor Paul and Dr. Sam Chan and heard some via video incredible and powerful stories of people's lives that have been impacted and changed through legacy. And legacy for us is all the way through to the end of 2020. It was a three and a half year kind of window or commitment that we were believing as a church right across life here in Central, up at North, down at South and across in Melbourne, that over those three and a half years, we would see $45 million raised through over 3,000 partners to see a miracle that has never been seen before here in the church in New Zealand. And we believing that that, that money raised would cause us to be in a place where all of our Auckland campuses would be debt-free, but more importantly, that we would be positioned as a church by the end of 2020 to be able to invest $20 million worth of community impact every single year. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for a church that God is using to create a difference in society and for senior pastors that have vision to cause us to go to another level. Anyone else with me and thankful for Pastor Paul and Marie and for what God is doing in and through them and us. And, you know, I just want to take a moment and throw up this giving table on the screen because uh, $45 million is a big number, although it's probably only about 45 houses in Auckland, so it's not that big. But we're believing that each year of the 3,000 legacy partners, there would be 2,700 builders. And I know on the screen... There's a few more than the 2,700, but this was a way that we broke down if we were all to be able to activate our own selves and do something, that we would blow out the 2,700 number and we would see in excess of $5 million raised through the builders. We've got 300 Gideons of the 3,000 we're believing will raise uh, $30 million of that 45, and then each year the 2,700 builders would raise $5 million a year round figures to get us to the 45 million. But I just want you to take a look at this table because last week, Pastor Paul shared and challenged in Commitment Sunday that that we should all be able to realize that we can do something. I think the enemy's plan would be to sell us short of our little that we would see we have to be able to make a difference. When we hear big numbers like 45 million, it can quite easily seem like my bit is insignificant. But this table, I guess, shows us a bit of a framework that even if there was many of us that did $5 a week, you know that $5 coffee you're going to have tomorrow morning to get you up for the week ahead? That coffee there, collectively, could make a monumental difference in our society where the church would rise up and actually answer the need of humanity. And I just want to take a moment to encourage you. This is in no way a pressurized moment. I love what Pastor Paul and Marie have always said. If you don't feel in your heart to give, don't do it. Because we're not here to make anyone do anything they're not ready to do. But we do believe God will speak if we create some room 
for him. And if you haven't had a chance to be a part of the team that, team yet and you want to you sort of take that giving table home to pray over it, then in this Ways to Give card in the middle there is actually that table broken down. It's in your seat pocket in front of you. You can grab that if you'd like. Or if you say, you know what, I missed last week or I've only been to one of the weeks and I want to know more information about what legacy encompasses because there's so much that it's able to do. Then on our website, you can, you can head to legacy2020.org and you can find out all of the details. But we're really believing that there would be 3,000 of us this year that would say, you know what, I'm in. I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to believe God to use me in a powerful way to see the impact and change through the reality of Jesus become apparent in our society. And if you do want a magazine, we had a lovely little magazine made up that we gave out over the weeks. If you don't have one of these and you'd like one, it's got stories and I guess a little bit of intel of what we're planning to do by raising this money to see the impact take place, then you can just shoot your hand up right now and one of our hosts is going to run up and down these aisles. And if you want one of these, just wave them down. We'll pass one down the aisles. And this is just to give you a little bit more detail on the spot. And if my preaching gets boring, you can have a read of that over the next few moments. And also in the seat pocket, is this legacy envelope. If you say, you know what, I really want to be a part of the team, then the best thing you can actually do is grab this envelope. And I'm believing that many of us would do something that would see not just the numbers accumulate, but actually see the community we live in impacted and changed. Not just impacted, but changed. That's what we're here for. And you can use this envelope as your giving envelope. You can fill it out. You can drop it in the drop boxes on the doors on any of the the doors out of the auditorium today, or there's giving stations in the foyer, there's digital envelope online. But I want you to hear the heart of Pastor Paul and Marie. Here, Here at Life, we're believing that collectively we would see something significant take place that has never been seen before. So we can be awesome? Not at all. So that we can be positioned every single year to have at least $20 million of community impact take place. And we're well on the way, I think, the past 12 months, we've seen well over 7 million of impact take place, which is pretty incredible. But we're believing that all of us doing our bit and hearing from God, we're going to see something significant take place. So love for you to take some time and consider that. That would be great. But today, I want to carry on with the thought of legacy and I guess take it from a little bit of a different angle. I'm a believer in the campaign. I, I love what legacy represents for me and Melissa and our family getting to be a part, one of those units and and really seeing uh, our commitment through an offering, through a pledge, going to those that are in need of help. But it's not just where it stops for us. And I think the challenge for you and I, if you're here and you have a relationship with Jesus, you're a Christian, we need to be reminded this morning that legacy is not just this inheritance idea in terms of what we leave, but actually legacy, as Dr. Sam put it, is who we leave behind. Sometimes we get trapped with the financial side of things and think, yeah, that's great, so there's going to be these buildings. And it's not necessarily just the what we leave behind, but actually true legacy for all of us, we need to understand is the who we leave behind. i got three young kids and I love them to bits. And I know that one day I'll most likely be leaving them behind because they're a little bit younger than me. But I want to challenge every Christian in the room today that, God has positioned you in this moment of time to ask the question, who's my who? When it comes to legacy, the campaign's one thing, it's very important, don't get me wrong. 
But I believe God wants you and I to go on a journey with Him and ask, who is it? Who is it that God's positioned me in my workplace with? My high school or my university, my sports club, my shopping center, my petrol station. Who, who are the people that when it comes to legacy in my life, I am going to leave behind, so to speak, because they've come into the orbit of who I am and what I carry. They're going to leave better and more connected to Jesus. And in the book of Romans, this passage I really love is in chapter 10, verse 9 to 16. I think we're going to read 9 to 15. It says this. For if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Good news right there. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. As the scripture tells us, anyone who believes in him will not be disappointed. Maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Can I encourage you, if you believe in him, you won't be disappointed. God is a good God. He's a faithful God. He's for you. He's not against you. But the Bible declares in the book of Romans that anyone, not just some, but anyone who believes in Jesus will not be disappointed. Verse 12, Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They all have the same Lord who generously gives his riches to all who ask for them. For anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Great news right there. Verse 14, I want you to capture this. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is, why the, that is what the scriptures mean when they say, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence in our lives. And this morning as you speak to us, through your word, Lord God, I pray it wouldn't just be another message I preach or another message we hear, but your word in and through my life today would speak to each one of us wherever we're at. We thank you for your goodness in our lives, for your presence. We thank you for what's taking place through legacy. But as we go on this journey of discovering what you ask of us, Lord God, that you would illuminate to our lives your word like never before. We thank you for your favor on our lives. We ask that you would have your way this morning in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I don't know if you've ever had this question posed to you. Do you want the good news or the bad news first? A real conundrum. It's like if I say I'll have the good news first, then there's a good chance I'm going to leave feeling worse off because the bad news is coming. But if I say, well, I'll go with the bad news first, and then leave with the good news, I'm really banking on the good news being way better than the bad news. Otherwise, I'm all I'm thinking about is the bad news. You know what I'm talking about? It's this conundrum. It's like, good news, you've won lotto. Bad news, you can't have any of it. I don't know, whatever it may be. <laughs> but this concept of good news versus bad news, and I don't think in my own life I've ever got excited when someone's told me they've got bad news for me. On the contrary, I think I've always got excited when someone said, I've got good news for you. I want to know about it. And the challenge for us as Christians when it comes to legacy more than a campaign is 
do we understand that, as the word puts it, we carry the good news? Or are we people that live our lives in such a way where we would err on the bad news side of equation because of experience or how Christianity may be perceived and we fail to realize that actually we don't carry bad news, we actually carry good news. See, the thing I've discovered with good news when I've got it is I am stoked to tell someone about it. I'm yet to find someone that's got bad news that's pumped to let you know that they've got bad news. But isn't it interesting as we go through life, as we journey this life of faith, we find that it's often, speaking from my own experience, harder than easier to present the gospel. That could be from a societal picture that's been painted about the church by and large or Christianity or you've had an experience where you've stepped out and it got met with not a good reception but a bad reception. Maybe you've got a family member that really hates on you for going to church all the time and they can't understand it and so that framework is your premise of, in an essence, being afraid to share what you have. Whatever it may be, I think for us we need to understand that if we are going to live a life that leaves the who's behind, not just the what's, we need to realize that we carry good news. We don't carry bad news, but I've come to discover, as we're going to look at it in a moment, not everyone's keen on the good news. But it's quite funny because, generally speaking, if someone approached you that you didn't know and said, hey, I've got good news for you, you're going to listen. But on the contrary, as I said, if someone said, hey, I've got some bad news for you, and you don't know them, you're probably going to say, uh, who are you? Why are you talking to me? And get out of here. <laughs> and sometimes I think we fail to realize how good the news is that we carry. And I think it's okay to be honest for a moment and say, you know what, I'm one of those people that shy away in my humanity from telling people of the good news. I think that's okay because I've found in my life, I'm 33 years of age, being a Christian just going on 30 years now, that it's still to this day, naturally speaking, a decision point that I have to consciously make and remind myself, I've got good news. And that's because of many different things. But I believe that as the Bible declares, if God is for us, <laughs> then who can be against us? You know, I believe in the book of Romans chapter 8, it goes on and says, you know, God is working everything together for good. Yeah, but I tried and, and I got nowhere. Yeah, I tried and, and I got really persecuted for it. I tried and it, it came across as bad news, not good news. I, I understand that piece of the equation and as we're going to look at it in a moment, I actually think that's a part of history when it comes to Christendom. That when people aren't ready to receive something, there is a normal or a natural reaction that takes place. But if legacy is about the who's, then we need to, before we discover the right or the wrong reaction we're looking for, we need to settle in our hearts. We don't carry bad news. We actually carry the good news. I love the writer of Acts in 20 verse 24. He come to discover in his 
life to this point where, man, this is what it all boils down to. And he says in verse 24, but my, my life is worth nothing to me unless, unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. What is it for you, what is it for me that stops us from sharing this wonderful grace? Is it the way it's portrayed in the media? As I said, is it a reaction you once got? Is it the way you intended to say something and it came out somewhere else? But for a moment, can we put aside what was and realize that God requires of us? As human beings that love him and have been saved by him to be his mouthpiece to create a ripple effect so the who's of this world that are attached to our current world will get to know him and receive his good news. I think sometimes we can be guilty of underestimating Jesus. (laughs) Hey, I know I'm supposed to share the good news, God, but this guy? (laughs) You know, this is the girl that sort of was pretty vocal about the fact that I go to church but I didn't want anyone to know I was going to church. (laughs) That girl? And we, we get into this place where we unest, underestimate what Jesus can do in the situation because we somewhat remove him from it. Yet I've come to discover, and as we'll see in a moment, God's faithful to be God in those moments. Don't just underestimate Jesus. Don't also underestimate the good news. Like it's the difference... For me, of someone telling you something great that's going to be like, yay, that's awesome, to understanding that this brings life change and transformation. Like you and I need to understand that the good news is not just good news, it's the good news that changes and saves people's souls. There was a survey done of 8,000 recently saved people and They posed this question. They wanted to know how they came to know Christ. What was it that got them to a place of saying yes to a relationship with Jesus? Yes to the good news. Of the 8,000 people, 5% of them said they just walked into a church off their own accord and got saved. 5%. 7% came because of the pastor. They liked the pastor. Thank you. I hear that amen. 3% came because the church had a service, a program that they liked. 3% came because it was a program they liked. 1% came from door-to-door knocking, cold calling, so to speak, 1%. 4% came because of the kids' church. (laughs) One of our legendary kids' workers right there. 0.0001% came through a crusade. And 80% of the 8,000 surveyed came from a personal invitation from a family or friend member. 80% came from a family member or a friend personally inviting them. How many family, how many friends, how many work colleagues that we do life with are looking for the invitation? See, I've come to discover that it's about 
a bridge known as relationship we need to build for us to have a highway to invite. See, the danger is we get an environment like this and we think God is awesome and we can do anything and those two things are very true. However, we then go on Monday morning to our university or our workplace and we look for anyone, preferably someone we don't know in case it doesn't go well and we don't feel stink about it. And so we find the first person because we're excited and we try and tell them about the good news. Again, like I said earlier, they're probably thinking, uh, what's your name? Who are you? Why are you talking to me? And go away. There's no relational bridge. That's great. That's why 1% came through a cold call of a door-to-door knock versus 80% through relationship. For a moment, could we just move past just the campaign and its greatness of legacy and realize that if legacy is who we leave behind, then you and I need to make an active decision as believers in Jesus to build a bridge with those we do life with to create an opportunity for the invite to take place. Because if they're a family member or a friend status to you, there's a high chance they're going to be one of these 8,000 people. And I'm all for all the different forms of evangelism, but it's clear to me in a small survey like this that the most effective way for us to bring the good news is through relationship. See, not only for us to understand that it is good news, we need to understand that we're not just helping bad people become good. We're helping dead people become alive. See, we fall into the trap where sin makes people bad. No, no, sin makes people dead. (laughs) But the good news brings life. The Bible says it brings it in abundance. And if all we do is say, you know, I'm here just to help bad people become good, I don't think we live with the urgency of what legacy looks like when it's the who, not just the what. But when we see people that are Outside a relationship with Jesus and we align our heart to the Father's heart, we realize it's, it's not good enough to hide behind the awkwardness or the pride or the what-ifs or the outcome of last time, but we've actually got to just put those things aside and say, you know what, I'm here to build relationship and bring the good news because I'm bringing dead people to life when they come and accept and receive the good news. See, relationship's massively important. Invitation is important, but I think when invitation comes with the good news, it's far more effective. You ever had someone, maybe you're one of these people, I love you because it's got to be one of the hardest jobs in the world, but have you ever had someone come knock at your door and try and sell you something? I'll never forget a broadband technician trying to sell me the latest deal. Again, because there was no relationship, I didn't really have too much time for him Truth be told, if my eyes did not connect with his eyes through the window pane next to the door when I was looking to see who had knocked on my door, I probably would have hid. But we connected, so I had to open the door. And uh, For about 15 minutes, he tried to sell me this package, yet I'm Dutch, and he didn't know that. So I've already done my research. So the deal I'm on is a deal I don't think he could better, and The more and more he tried, the more and more I was able to present how good of a deal it was. And at the end of it, he said these words, well, you 
probably got a better deal than I can offer you, so I may as well go to the next house. It's like, thanks, mate. (laughs) Dutch blood, sorry. And because there was no good news attached to the offer of invitation, it wasn't worth it for me. And so it's one thing to build relationship and have an invitation, but we need to bring the good news of the gospel to that. It's, it's not just about having the what, but bringing the why to the situation. Now, I believe there's a, a dying, a hurting world out there that needs every Bible-believing Christian here in Auckland and further afield to say, you know what, I'm going to move past the intimidation. I'm going to move past the awkwardness. I'm going to move past the pride. I'm going to move past the experience of what was, and I'm going to stand again and believe that if God is for me, then who can be against me? I'm not going to force anything upon people, but I'm going to build relationship to create a bridge to deliver the good news. So I thought we'd just look at a few things the good news brings, the good news does, what the good news to me is all about. Number one, the good news brings hope to everyone. Hope to everyone, not just some, but to everyone. Yes, even the person that's the most challenging at your work, that neighbor that asks you to mow their berm on the side of their house when you're mowing your berm, the person who doesn't clean up after themselves and you're left to last doing it again. The good news brings hope to every single person, whether they deserve it or don't, because let's be real. None of us deserve it. But we get trapped into thinking it's for some people. No, no, no. The the Bible says, I love this as we read earlier, but I love it in the Amplified Version, verse 12 and 13. It puts it this way, I guess, nice and plain and simple. For there is no distinction between Jew and Gentile. Back in the day, the Jews were worthy of God and the Gentiles weren't. But the Scripture says, no, no, there's no distinction between them or us, it's for all. For the same Lord is Lord over all of us and he is abounding in riches and blessings for all who call on him in faith and in prayer. For whoever. Come on, if you're here today, you've never had the opportunity to pray this prayer. In a couple of moments, you will be given that opportunity. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord in prayer will be saved. This is the game changer. Christianity is not like other religion. Christianity is a relationship. You you just have to make a decision to trust and believe in God and you're in. Wait, it can't be that simple. Where's the catch? No, money back guarantee. Jesus made a way for whosoever would call on the name will be saved. And in that moment, everything changes for you. Do we live with the urgency When it comes to legacy, when we're creating a generational echo, do we live with the urgency of the who's in our world? That that they're not just different or I'd be nice one day if they became a Christian. No, do we live with the urgency? (laughs) That I've actually got good news that can bring hope to everyone. Secondly, I love that the good news never returns void. It never returns void. Isaiah 55 verse 11 says, It is the same with my word, God speaking. I send it out and it always produces fruit. 
wait, but when I tried, I, it felt like it backfired. I went back a few steps with that person. It always produces fruit. It may not be the way you saw it. It may not be in your timing. But when the word, the good news goes out, it always produces fruit. God speaking, it will accomplish all I want it to. Oh, so it's not about us, it's about you. Yes, good reminder, thanks God. (laughs) It will accomplish all I want it to, God speaking, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. The challenge for you and I is to not just understand it brings hope to anyone, but actually it never returns void. That moment you thought it didn't go well, it went well as far as God's concerned. Because it will always, it will always produce. Because it's the living word of God. It is not bad news. We carry good news. Not bad news, but good news. Thirdly, I think the good news will, uh, it'll cause a reaction. It's hope. It never returns void, but let's for a moment just accept the fact it's going to cause a reaction. What do I mean by that? Well, the Bible says that we are to be light. I don't know if you've ever been in a dark room and someone flicks the light on when you weren't prepared for it. What happens? Ah! Turn that off! Why? Because a reaction took place. Your eyes technically speaking, have adjusted to the darkness and the moment light enters the room, they can't handle it in this initial phase. This is why those that we believe need to be saved often react. Because the Bible says that when you're living in sin, you're living in darkness and when light enters darkness, I've discovered it invades the room. It doesn't just provide a little bit of visibility. It drowns the darkness out. So there's going to be an offensive moment that takes place. I wonder how many of us have been living under a false pretense that, hey, I've got good news, so everyone's just going to want to hear it. Doesn't matter who they are, where they come from, whether they know me or they don't. I'm just going to let them have it. And then we get upset because there was a reaction. But if we're light in the darkness, we need to understand we're going to cause a reaction. 1 Peter 4 verse 4 to 6 puts it this way. Of course, of course your former friends, they're pretty surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So what do they do? They slander you. But remember that they will have to face God who stands ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead. That is why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. So although they were destined to die like all of us, they now live forever with God in the Spirit. This is how important it is that we accept there will be reaction at time and that's okay. It's been happening from the beginning of time, and I dare say it, it's going to continue to happen till the end of time. But we need to accept that that's okay. That when a reaction takes place, let's not back off on the conviction of the news we carry. 
Let's not fall into the trap that, oh, maybe the news isn't that good. Maybe it's bad news. No, no, we carry the good news. And we need to be people that embrace the reactions, so to speak. The good news also provides peace in chaos. Provides peace in chaos. Acts 10 verse 36. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel. That there is peace with God through Christ Jesus who was Lord of all. Come on, you just got to turn the herald on or the news on these days to hear about all sorts of chaos that's taking place. You just got to be at a family event and discover, wow, someone's going through it. You just got to be a part of a lunchtime work conversation. You just got to hang around people for longer than 30 seconds and get past talking about the weather to realize this stuff that we all face and life can be chaotic at times, but God's word is good news. Brings peace in the chaos. Sometimes we shy away from the challenging things of life because we don't know what to do. Well, what would we say? We bring good news. Hey, I know it might not be going well and I just certainly don't have all of the answers, but I know a guy that does. I know it might be foreign to you or it may not make sense, but I want you to know there's a guy named Jesus and actually he came to bring ultimate peace. Your life might be in chaos. You might be feeling like you're spinning 16 plates, but in one moment of belief and decision, peace can come. I can't explain it all, but I know in my own life, and you can start to share your journey of what that moment was like. Remember what it was like when you said yes? (laughs) Remember how good it was when God came through? Remember what the change meant for you and your family, your situation? Sometimes we think we need to know the four spiritual laws or have read through the one-year Bible in half a year. I don't know. (laughs) To be able to be qualified to share. No, no, God's just looking for us to be us and bring good news because peace comes in the midst of chaos when the good news is shared. The good news in chaos is like Nurofen to the back pain. Now, if you've ever had bad back pain when you're trying to go to sleep, you can't go to sleep, get some anti inflammation in there and all of a sudden you wake up in the morning, wow, that was a good sleep. The good news brings peace. And the Bible says it's a peace that goes beyond all understanding. So let's not try and explain it all, but just bring good news because it's going to make a world of difference. And then finally, I believe the good news breaks chains and delivers freedom. It breaks chains and it delivers freedom. There are too many people I know of, there's too many people in our worlds that are bound. They're bound by things of once was. They're bound of fear of what is to come. They're bound, wrapped in chains and they're looking for a way out. They're wanting freedom. And they may not know it yet, but you and I need to realize the good news breaks chains and delivers freedom. Isaiah again says in verse 61, verse one, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed you and I to bring good news to the poor. The word poor there is people that are yet to discover what we've discovered. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will 
be released and prisoners will be free. Not there's a chance if you say it the right way that it's going to happen, but the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done will, as Isaiah puts it, it will set captives free. It will break chains. It will deliver freedom. And people, I believe, will say, man, why didn't I hear about this sooner? Man, what have I been doing? I've missed out on the greatest life. Why? Because it is not bad news, but quite contrary, the very good news. The gospel is not about helping bad people become good. It's about bringing dead people into life. Who is it in your world? Who is it in my world that we're yet to share the good news with that we're going to have to make a decision? You know what? Legacy is not just about the 3,000 partners and the $45 million raised and the $20 million impact, but it's actually about the who's I leave behind. And in deciding in this moment, those are the people that I'm going to build a relational bridge with. Bring the invitation and the good news too are going to be the people that they will be forever indebted. Now, we don't save people. That's Jesus. But we certainly are asked of by him to provide the invitation and bring the good news. And I'll just leave you with this final scripture in Romans 1 verse 1 to 16. I'd love for us to try and live this out to the best of our ability. For I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. Why? Because it is the power of God at work. Saving every single person. Saving everyone who believes, the Jews first and then the Gentiles. Every single one that has yet to find and discover a relationship with Jesus. God longs for their heart, for their life to be in relationship with. But can I encourage you as I need to keep encouraging myself, it's on us to create an opportunity to bring and present the good news for people to be saved, set free, delivered on course and on purpose in the things of God. And I believe our city, our society, our nation, our world will be different if we would bring not the bad news, but the good news. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.